And now, proper propaganda. But if you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Go by the name Q Ward, sometime DJ Q Ward. Mm. But maybe never again, but mm. we'll talk about that later. No, let's bring it back, man. I miss DJ Q Ward. <laughs> at the at the Phoenix Suns uh stadium, they're in arena DJ, among other things. World world class, world traveling DJ. Yeah, let's bring him back. Anyway, um we are a couple of DJs, aren't we, man? And we decided to do a show for you. Hopefully you'll stick around for the second half. Um, we are going to talk about what I believe to be something positive. Um, the House has passed a bill that bans discrimination for hair. So we're definitely going to talk about that. Um, and our Way Black History Fact, we're going to talk about an all-Black women's World War II unit. So uh, that is something we're sticking around for as well. But first and foremost, let's discuss... How to become a better ally. Baba. So, don't know if you heard about this one, but Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen discussed the systemic inequalities still lurking in the U.S. economy and the work her department needs to do to narrow the racial wealth divide during remarks at an event honoring the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This comes from ABC News. Com. Quote, from reconstruction of Jim Crow to the present day, our economy has never worked fairly for black Americans or really for any American of color. The Treasury chief said during the Reverend Al Sharpton National Action Network's annual breakfast honoring the life and legacy of Dr. King. Since taking office last January, Yellen said that she and her team have worked hard to, quote, ensure that neither the figurative bank of justice nor any literal economic institution fails to work for people of color. She said the Treasury has recently completed its first equity review, quote, looking across departments and asking where are our operations not as inclusive as they should be. Yellen added that they have also hired the department's first ever counselor on racial equity and sought to hire the, quote, most diverse leadership team in Treasury history. End quote. She added that the Treasury was injecting some nine billion dollars into community development, financial institutions and minority depository institutions that seek to serve people in places that the financial sector historically has left out. Um, this is important because you can listen to my show. It's on the iHeart Media Podcast Network. It's called the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. I did an episode called Banking While Black. And this Treasury, Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, is an example of one person trying to change what that means. Hopefully we can make it have some dignity. Uh, but um, yeah, that is an example of a better ally and you should aspire to be like her. Make some changes if you're in a position to do so. Um, so now we move on. I have a big old Afro. You listen to me every week and I appreciate that, by the way. Um, it means a lot to me and, and to Q and to my children and my family and my friends and people that I don't know who are Black and share this experience and people who I don't know who are not Black and empathize that you listen every week. 
So I'm going to tell you a black story about me. Um, I was born in California, Compton, California. In the 80s, 1982 is when I was born. And um, so I saw a lot of heavy stuff. Imagine Compton in the 80s. Drugs, gangs, all that sort of stuff. That was my reality. I used to think when I was very little that the magical age was 20. If I could make it to 20 years old, then I will have made it. Because everyone around me was dying. <laughs> Sounds crazy. But yeah, that was a real thing. And we'd hear these stories, of course. Such and such died. He was only 16, 13, 17, 19, 14, teen, 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 teen. So I thought 20 was the magic number. You know, most kids think 18 or 21. But that was me. I thought 20, right? Follow me. That number stayed with me as I grew six, seven, eight, nine, 10 years old, moved to Arizona, 11, 12, 13, you know, all those years. 20 is the magic number. I, I knew I was never going to drink. I was never going to smoke cigarettes. That just it never really spoke to me. I wasn't waiting on the day when I could do those things. So for always, uh, it was always the number 20, right? Ingrained in my head. From those, those traumas when I was younger, I had a friend that died. There was these two kids I played with, Keith and David. They were my age. And, and Keith died on the street where I live. Died in the sidewalk. Somebody shot him. It's gone. Didn't get to grow up. Um, 20. So now I'm going to school and I um, get into college. Those of you that listen to the show regularly uh, know the name Dr. Camilla Westenberg. She made sure that I was able to go to college. She's a frequent contributor to this show here. Um, so when I got to college, I was really excited. And when I was uh, 20 years old, I was kind of staring at the end of my schooling career, you know, my academic career, uh, or so I thought at the time. I ended up going back and getting a master's, but... Um, at that time, I thought that was the end. And I was in a business school. I went to the W.P. Carey College of Business at Arizona State University. And at that school, when I was there, there weren't many Black people. I'd be in huge lecture halls, 400 students, and I'd be the only Black person in them. Um, I'd be in small classes, of course, and be the only Black person. There were Hispanic people in the classes. Um, and, and, and no one was, was unkind. No one was mean. Everyone kind of got it. Thank God these, you know, in academic environments, people tend to be cool. But one of the things that I realized is that I'm alone in this space. It's just me here. I am the sum total of the black voice in this conversation. I am the experience that these students will take with them as they go out and help shape the world of tomorrow. Me, just one person. Right. And that didn't feel like enough blackness because black people do exist. We're the reason other people exist, you know, and black people do matter. Black lives matter. I'll say it as often as I can. Um, but where I lived in Arizona, numerically, there weren't a lot of black people. Right. It's not like I grew up in Atlanta and I went to a black uh, historically black college or university. No, I went to Arizona State University in Arizona. Right. And then I met 
this prestigious business school, you know, and, and we all know that there are a lot of social factors that kind of play into that. So not everybody gets to make it that far, but I did. And if you're like me, if you're like Q, you recognize, uh-oh, I'm the only one here. Immediately, it's no longer about me. Immediately, I have a responsibility. Immediately, it's, a, it's just like that. Okay, this is not for me to show off. This is not for me to stunt. You know what I'm saying? It's not my time. I have to really represent. If you're listening to this show, you know how that word fits in Black culture, represent, right? So how did I increase the amount of Blackness in those lecture halls? How did I increase the amount of Blackness when I was giving presentations, pitching business ideas, when I was writing reports, when I was doing case studies? How did I increase the amount of Blackness? Well, that's just one side of the problem. The other side was... I now have to go out into the world at the end of this school year. And I'm probably going to see many rooms that look just like this, where there's not a lot of black people in these rooms. How do I increase the amount of blackness? How do I create a show, a display of representation that really, really speaks to the fact that I am not here alone? That every ancestor, of me and you is speaking through me right now. How do I do that? It's a very, very strange question to ask yourself, but that's what happens, Q. You know that very well. It just, you have to, you have to take responsibility. So what did I do? I did nothing to my hair. I'll say it again. I did nothing to my hair. If I leave my hair alone, it will reach for the sky on all sides. It will grow and it will flourish and it will be just as fluffy and as big and grand as it can possibly be. That's the reason I grew my hair out. That's the reason my hair is long right now. That's the reason why I'll keep it long. This is a lifelong commitment. Just like, you know, people that put locks in their hair and so forth. That's the reason for my hair. It's that important to me. It's that important to me. No one, there's not a person in the world that could tell me to shave my head <laughs> because my hairstyle is inappropriate, right? They could try, but it wouldn't fly. But partly because I have the ability to, I have the mobility rather. I can make my reality in a way that's a little bit easier than other people can, right? And so there are a lot of people who perhaps don't have that luxury. And now we're going to talk about the Crown Act. So I'll read this. This comes from NBCNews.com. It's written by Janelle Griffith. Um, the House of Representatives passed the Crown Act, which would ban hair-related discrimination. The measure HR 2116 passed in a vote of 235 to 189 along party lines. Let's keep an, an eye out for that 189 because I think it might come up again. It was introduced by Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman, who was a Democrat from New Jersey. Crown stands for Creating a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair. And the act prohibits discrimination based on an individual's texture or style of hair. The bill now goes to the Senate. 
Um, the legislation states that, quote, routinely people of African descent are deprived of educational and employment opportunities for wearing their hair in natural or protective hairstyles, such as locks, cornrows, twists, braids, bantu knots, or afros. Quote, here we are today, standing on behalf of those individuals, whether my colleagues on the other side recognize it or not, who are discriminated against as children in school, as adults who are trying to get jobs, individuals who are trying to get housing, individuals who simply want access to public accommodations and to be beneficiaries of federally funded programs. Watson Coleman said in remarks on the House floor Friday morning. This demonstrates the bill's necessity, she said, because there are people in positions of authority, quote, who think because your hair is kinky, it is braided, it is in knots, or it is not straight and blonde and light brown, that you somehow are not worthy of access to those issues, end quote. Well, she added, that's discrimination. There's no logical reason that anyone should be discriminated against on any level because of the texture of their hair or the style of their hair, Watson Coleman said. Um, I want to take a moment here before I continue. Katanji Brown Jackson is... Uh, when she was sitting in those confirmation hearings, regal as she is, wearing what is now, according to this, a protected hairstyle, um, looking as natural as she wants to be. She looks like God. Think about that. And there are people who are not accustomed to seeing what a natural human being looks like. Remember the first human beings that you could call a human being looked exactly like that woman. And they wore their hair exactly like that woman. Right? These hairstyles are ancient. Before the first human being had the first mutation to create the first blue eye, human beings look just like that. That is the natural state of a human being. This hair that I wear on my head is the natural hair of a human being. Everything else is a, is a derivative of this. This is the, the natural. Now, because we live in a Eurocentric society um, that centers uh, whiteness as the norm, um, we have to describe our hair, black hair, as ethnic hair. But the truth is our hair is just hair. By definition, the platonic ideal, the very first, the prototype. <laughs> and I think it's important to say that, not because I feel like some, one is better than the other or anything like that. That's not my way. If you listen to the show, you know that that's, that's not who I am. We're all here together. We're all meant to love each other. You know, but there are certain truths that need to be said, and this is the place where we have to say them. Right. So if you're listening today, I also want to implore you to rethink concepts like that that you may have in your mind. Rethink them. You know, I, I grew up in the same society as you and as everyone else, very Eurocentric. 
You know, if it's white, it's right. You know, so no one who thinks that is wrong or bad, that's just kind of the world that was created for us to grow up in. Right. And, and we call the institutions that reinforce those ideas, white supremacist institutions. Right. But we don't, that's, that's not us saying that the individuals who um, have been made to think these things are themselves white supremacists, because then that would make me a white supremacist, right? And if that's true, then it's true for me. And if it's not true, then we all have to recognize that there are institutions that exist outside of us that have had a degree of influence over us, right? But it's very important, if I say nothing else, that I say, that this hair is hair and every other type of hair is other hair. It's important that you know that. Again, I'm not saying it's better. I'm saying it's the original. Now I'll continue. My back, you did you want to jump in? No, I actually didn't. Um, for our listeners that can't see you, they can't really understand how personal it is and not just for you but you have a son that rocks a big, beautiful Afro. Talk about him. And it is really really important for people to be able to hear it from a perspective that's firsthand. Yeah. My hair isn't very long. It used to be, I wore braids in college. Uh, Haven't had the patience to to grow my hair back out since then. Um, And quite frankly, my hair does not look as glorious as Ramses's does when it is long. So I think you are a uniquely qualified person to speak on this topic. And it was important for people to be able to hear it from such a first account and personal point of view. Well, thank you for that, Q. Well, in that case, I'll continue. Um, Without naming him, she referred to Andrew Johnson, a black varsity high school wrestler in New Jersey with, with locks, who was forced in 2018 to make a choice, cut his hair or forfeit his match. Quote, this bill is vitally important, she said. It is important to the young girls and young boys who have to cut their hair in the middle of a wrestling match in front of everyone because a white referee says that your hair is inappropriate to engage in your match, end quote. The Biden administration this week said it, quote, strongly supports, and quote, the Crown Act and looks forward to working with the Congress to enact this legislation and ensure that it is effectively implemented. More than a dozen states, including New Jersey and New York, have passed versions of the Crown Act. California was the first state to do so. House Majority Leader Steiny Hoyer, a Democrat from Maryland, told his colleagues Friday that the bill should have unanimous support. Fourteen Republicans voted for the bill. Good. Our military took steps to end hair discrimination last year, said Hoyer. Who is white? If anybody thinks this isn't a real issue, obviously the military thought it was an issue and it was an important enough issue that they took action. He said it was disappointing that 188 Republicans opposed the legislation when it was recently brought to the floor under an expedited process. Like Watson Coleman, other proponents proponents of the bill mentioned a number of children, directly and indirectly, who drew national attention after they were reprimanded for wearing their hair in braids, dreadlocks, or other protective styles. Before a vote was taken, a number of Black and African-American legislators spoke 
of having been discriminated against because of their hair. I do want to mention that I have not been discriminated against because of my hair that I know of, because the way the rest of that story goes is I finished college and then my first job was on a hip hop radio station, KKFR in Phoenix, Arizona, Power 98.3, it's now called. And so um, I went into a welcome space. But imagine having that same experience, right? I was, I was going to go into corporate law. That's why I was in business school. Imagine having that same experience coming from Compton, you know, and, and realizing that 20 is the magic number. When I get to 20 years old, I'm going to celebrate. I've made it. I get to 20 years old. I'm in this space where there is no blackness. What can I do? What, what can I do? Now that I'm a man, no one can tell me what to do with my clothes, my hair. I've made it. What can I do? I can check two boxes off right here. Maybe more. I'm going to grow my hair. Imagine if I walked into a law firm and they look at my hair, the most natural hairstyle on earth that has ever existed, and they say it's inappropriate and that I can't work there, or if I want to work there, I have to shave my hair, right? To something that they deem is more appropriate. So that was never my reality, but as we're seeing for a lot of people, it has been. I'll continue. Quote, as a black woman who loves my braids, I know what it's like to feel isolated because of how I wear my hair. Representative Cori Bush uh, said on the House floor, quote, this is the last time we say no more to black people being made to feel like we have to straighten our hair or to, in order to be deemed professional. Representative Gwen Moore said someone had told a previous employer that she was an embarrassment because of the way her hair looked. Wow. Uh, she accused some of her colleagues, such as Representative Jim Jordan, a Republican from Ohio, of avoiding the conversation about discrimination that disproportionately affects black people. Jordan said Friday that he wanted to focus on gas prices, inflation and issues of importance to the American people and accused Democrats of distancing from those issues. In response to Jordan's remarks, Representative Al Green, who's a Democrat from Texas, said, quote, black people are American people, too. And when you say the American people don't want it, you cannot exclude black people. Black people would have this be on the floor. This is a kitchen table issue in black households. Um, Q, you have a daughter. Your daughter will have black hair. It, she does have black hair. Excuse me. Um, and as we know, pretty much around the world, Hairstyles are a lot more important for women than for men. And so with that said, um, and with my children also, knowing that this is taking place in the world, knowing that we're making moves to protect the natural state of being for human beings, which should exist on the federal level, right? Regardless of what these 188 uh, Republicans are suggesting, <laughs> um, to know that that's the world that we're moving into, I think that's a beautiful thing. I think it's a wonderful thing. And for me to know that this is our reality, it makes me feel optimistic 
oftentimes on the show, we're not able to feel that way. Um, and it makes me feel hopeful. And it makes me feel like we're growing closer as brothers and sisters in this country and on this planet. And so um, I'm happy that I got to share this story uh, about the Crown Act and a little bit of my story, too. Um, it's always kind of fun when I get to do that on the show. So, so yeah, onward and upward. Let's keep it going, y'all. Now, it's time for the Way Black History Fact. Today's Way Black History Fact comes from CNN.com. And we are going to talk about the All Black Women's World War II Unit, which is going to be awarded the Congressional Gold Medal. Um, much of this article was contributed by Eric Levinson, Neelam Bora, and Radhika Myra, all of CNN. All right, I will read. Oh, wait, Q, I think your mic is off. But I'll read. An all-black woman's Army Corps unit that sorted millions of pieces of mail in unheated warehouses during World War II will finally be awarded a Congressional Gold Medal decades after the fact. President Joe Biden signed a bill into law on March 14th that awards a Congressional Gold Medal to the women of the 6,888th Central Postal Directory Battalion, nicknamed 6888. The honor was granted, quote, in recognition of their pioneering military service, devotion to duty, and contributions to increase the morale of personnel stationed in the European theater of operations during World War II, end quote. The bill states. The bipartisan bill introduced by Senators Jerry Morgan, a Republican from Kansas, and Jackie Rosen, a Democrat from Nevada, was passed by the Senate in April and the House last month. The 6888 was a unit made up of about 850 black women who were tasked with overcoming a massive backlog of mail. According to the Department of Defense, the unit traveled to Great Britain in 1945, surviving encounters with Nazi U-boats and a German rocket explosion along the way, before spending months sorting through mail and packages stacked to the ceiling in unheated warehouses, according to the U.S. Army Center of Military History. They adopted the model, No Mail, Low Morale. The unit set up a new mail tracking system and cleared the six-month backlog of mail in just three months, the center said. By the end of the war, the unit processed about 17 million pieces of mail, according to the National World War II Museum. Like much of the country, the military was segregated throughout World War II. Black service members faced continuous racism, and the women of the 6,888th have sharp memories of being segregated on trains, spat at, and demeaned by white men and women. The unit later was moved to France and then ultimately disbanded without fanfare in 1946. There were no commemorative ceremonies for members when they came home at the end of the war. The 6888 was led by Army Major Charity Early, who later rose to the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. She died in 2002, and her son praised the belated recognition last year. It's wonderful and it's time, said Stanley Earl III. It should have happened 50, 60 years ago, but now is the opportunity for the recognition that these folks did all the right things that were so important. As of last year, only seven members were believed to still be alive, he said. The medal is part of a belated recognition of the unit's efforts in recent years. A monument honoring the battalion was dedicated at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas in 2018. The documentary, The 6888, No Mail, Low Morale, celebrated the mail tracking system of the battalion created 
In a statement, Moran and Rosen praised the signing of the bill and the battalion's war efforts. Quote, the heroic the heroic barrier-breaking members of 6AAA Battalion, which included brave Nevada women, played a crucial role in the operations of our armed forces during World War II. Rosen said, quote, they deserve the nation's highest honors for their service. There is no better time to give them this long overdue recognition than during Women's History Month. And I'm proud to see President Biden sign our bipartisan legislation into law. The women of 6888 have earned a special place in history for their service to our nation. And as of today, their sacrifice is enshrined in the law with the highest distinction Congress can bestow. Moran said, quote, it has been an honor to meet members of the battalion and help lead this effort to award 6888 with the Congressional Gold Medal, the highest expression of national appreciation from Congress. Um, now, I want to say something. And then, of course, Q, you jump it. But again, I do another show. Um, and uh, recently we were talking about the proceedings for the confirmation hearing for uh, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. And I had an opportunity to discuss why it was so important to see this happening and how historic it was. And at the end of one of my episodes, uh, and feel free to go check it out once again, um, it's on iHeartMedia's uh, app and you'll look, at, it's called the Black Information Network Daily Podcast with Ramses Job. But um, as I was recalling how it felt, um, I had a message that I'd written and it said that, um, Black women have served this country and Black women have saved this country from itself time and again. And the country is always a little bit better off when we benefit from a little bit of Black girl magic. That was dedicated to Judge Jackson, of course, um, but uh, indirectly dedicated to all Black women who have, in fact, saved this country from itself time and again. Think voting, right? Black women tend to help save the country. I mean, depending on who you're talking to, but a lot of people really feel that way. Black women have turned the tides in a lot of very important elections in this country's history. And anytime black women are recognized, it's very important. And obviously we have a show here that exists to provide some balance that we're, so that people don't think we're just rappers and singers and dancers, um, that we, can, so we can be politically informed and politically engaged as well. And uh, because we have this show, we are always going to do our best to celebrate some black girl magic. Um, so yeah. And the last minute, Q, your response to this battalion, what do you think, your thoughts? Um, to say it's incredible would be an understatement. Trying to imagine their conditions, mm. the way that they were treated by their fellow soldiers, mm. uh, be they black, I mean, be they white men or women, um, black women in this country have had to bear inhumane conditions, treatment, um, and even legislation for far too long. Uh, and for those who are not paying attention, even the way that Justice Jackson is being treated you know, and open hearings by members of our government. 
could be viewed as abusive. Uh, so to say that this is overdue is an understatement. To say they deserve this honor is an understatement. Um, and I smile a little bit at it, but I'm still kind of disappointed at where we are as a country with regard to our treatment, recognition, and respect of Black women. Well, you know what? It is, you know, you could look at it like it's too little too late. You know, I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying one could look at it like it's too little too late. But I think that I'm choosing to look at it like, you know, um, better late than never, you know, uh, and had 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 this not happened, I might not have even known about this. I learned so much during this show that I never expected. And so, you know, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, it's about time. So we'll leave it right there. So once again, thanks for tuning in to Civic Cypher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. I go by the name Q Ward. Be sure to check us out uh, at civicsacker.com. You can download this and any previous episodes. Um, you can also make a donation. Helps the show grow. The show is growing because of you. Follow us on all social media at Civic Cypher. And until next week, y'all. Peace. Stepping the borders with press passes, we bring it to you as it happens. The streets love my crew for music and rapping. Street commander slash beat expander, here to fight the slander with the proper propaganda. What's happening? You got a question, then ask it. The news is just a TV show, get past it. And this from a quiet wartime journalist headlines. Wake up, refuse, and resist. Like this, like this, like this, like this.